Market. It runs right here on Radio NL on Saturdays from 2 to 6 and Sundays from 8 until noon. Host Tom Mayonek rates and debates the bulls and bears of sports business, takes a behind-the-scenes look at the sport business stories that matter most to fans, and I'm pleased to welcome him to the show now. Tom, how are you doing here today? Uh, doing well heading into the weekend, Jeff. You? Ah, not too bad. Not too bad. It's been a good day so far, and, and hopefully uh, that stays true here heading into the evening as well. All right. Uh, so tomorrow, what what do you got in store for us? I understand there's a pretty significant focus going to be on the National Hockey League. We're sort of in a holding pattern right now as we await the details on the return to play plan. So what do you got in store when it comes to the uh, NHL right now? Well, there's no question that that's been a big story this week. I mean, we still have more questions than answers. But the most important thing, Jeff, is that after the first you know couple of weeks, of December and the, uh, or let's say the last couple of weeks of November and the first week of December, of there being a real stalemate between the league and the Players Association, they sure seemed last weekend to get down to business and they set aside the economic differences. And the only reason why there are economic differences is that I guess Gary Bettman felt, the commissioner of the NHL felt compelled to go back to the Players Association and say, hey, couple of financial considerations we'd love to revisit with you. In other words, they wanted to borrow back some of that money that was part of the collective bargaining agreement. Uh, Players didn't like that, and so things went dark for a couple of weeks. But boy, has there ever been a flurry of activity throughout the front office of the league and and in all 31 markets uh, over this past week. Here's what we do know. We do know that the league and the Players Association are doing everything in their power now to target a January 13th face-off to the 2020-2021 season. We know it'll be a compressed 56-game uh, season. Uh, we know that there will be divisional alignment, realignment, and the biggest factor for those of us in the interior and here in British Columbia uh, is the fact that the Vancouver Canucks will be part of an all-Canadian division of seven teams. Uh, we also know uh, that um, uh, the um, certainty will be that the, the season will start with no fans in the stands. But but here's what we don't know. We don't know what the playoff structure is going to be. Uh, in other words, with four divisions, the 17 Canadian division and three American divisions of eight teams each, uh, is the plan to wind up having one winner for each division and create a bit of a, a final four type showdown Um which would mean you'd only have a maximum of one Canadian team into the semifinal round, which, of course, is still better than what's happened in recent years. Um, but, you know, it could be a year in which two or three of the top teams in the league are, are Canadian. Or do they go to a seeding uh, structure where they actually seed the various divisions based on another formula? Uh, we also don't know if they're going to be playing in multiple markets, which I think is unlikely. Uh, we don't know if they're going to be playing in hubs, and we don't know if they're going to be in, 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 in full in full bubbles. So those are all things that the league is still working on, and I think it'll be early next week uh, to mid-next week before fans know all those details. But things are moving forward at a feverish pace. At a feverish pace. 
Yeah, and there's uh, one thing that I thought is kind of a, a neat concept is they're they're looking at going more of that baseball style with a series, right? Which I think would be kind of cool to have a two, a, you know, a three game series in in a location before traveling to another destination. I think that's a kind of cool one. The one issue I think that uh, people have concerns about with these four divisions is it looks like there's two pretty strong divisions, with the Canadian division being one of those, and then two pretty weak ones as well. I think there's got to be some concern from around the league when, when you're a really good team and uh, you're going to be stuck playing other really good teams for the whole season. Uh, you know, it's so it's so well said, Jeff, and, and I think that's fair, and I think that that's part of the conversation that's happening between not only general managers but also team presidents and, and owners, um, and that's why they're tweaking. You see that there's been a couple of permutations on the divisional alignment uh, over these uh, uh, past couple of days. Uh, that's why I think the playoff structure is going to be so important. Uh, again, if, if you're telling the seven Canadian teams that, hey, one of you, just one of you, is going to make it into the Stanley Cup semifinals, um, and you're going to have to go hammer and tong against each other in the first couple of rounds, uh, you know, that is something that I'm sure that, you know, some of the teams may may be worried about. And also, if you're uh, on the cusp in one of those, you know, tough uh, American divisions, you probably want to know that there'd be some wild card consideration or maybe an expanded playoff. So I'm not necessarily suggesting it happens, but I wouldn't be surprised that there's some wild card component that's brought into the mix here uh, that winds up having the top four teams from each division, which would be 16 and maybe four wild cards uh, to accommodate those those stronger divisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, outside of Ottawa, no offense to, to Senators fans, but all other six Canadian teams sure look like they have potential to, to make deep runs too. So it's going to be interesting season, that is for sure. Now, sticking with the National Hockey League, uh, Forbes is out with its annual list of most valuable franchises, and the New York Rangers topped the list for a, a yet another year, but uh, it looks like values are down for the first time in quite a while. Uh, yeah, and Jeff, you got both those things right. The New York Rangers, uh, one of the original six brands, of course, and the biggest market in North America, uh, they've been leading these Forbes annual NHL franchise valuation listings for, for a number of years now, uh, uh, for the last six or seven at least that, that I can count off the top of my head. But um, uh, for the first time since uh, 19 years, first time in almost two decades, uh, NHL franchise valuations are down. Now, that's not a surprise to me, and we'll hear more about this on the show tomorrow because one of our regular contributors on the sport market on TSN Radio and Radio NL uh, is Drew Dorweiler of IJW and Associates in Montreal. He's the country's preeminent sport business valuator, and uh, he's been contributing to the uh, the, the rankings for, uh, for the past decade or so, and he'll be on the show explaining that it isn't a surprise, and he's he previewed this last week, really, uh, saying that um, uh, there were some factors that would surprise some people. Uh, again, when you take the revenue of ticket sales out of the equation for most NHL franchises, it's a real gut punch. And that's what's reflected here in these um, uh, in the slight drop in, in, in franchise valuation. Now, it's not a cascading drop. It's not a catastrophic drop. And I think it's one that will be remedied and, and made up for, um, I would guess, in the in the next two years. You're going to see this season adversely affected, of course, by 
largely by either no fans in the stands at all or largely no fans in the stands, especially here in, 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 in Canada. Um, but I think by the fall of 2021, the next season, which the NHL will hope to start on time in a regular time slot, uh, I think by the end of that season, you should have made up some of the ground that has been lost. So it's a temporary measure. What's interesting, though, is you've got the Rangers, number one, the Leafs, uh, and they're at 1.65 billion U.S., uh, the Leafs at 1.5 billion, Montreal Canadiens, third at 1.34 billion dollars. But you do have another uh, Canadian team in the top 10, uh, and uh, that is uh, the uh, Vancouver Canucks at 725 uh, million dollars U.S. So um, Canadian teams have dropped a little bit, including the Ottawa Senators and the Winnipeg uh, Jets. I think that that is a, um, in relation to how big a hit they took um, with, uh, with, with ticket sales not being part of the revenue streams. But I do think, again, this is a short-term COVID-19 um, uh, impact on the, on, on the franchise values, and I fully expect them to continue to grow, especially with the upcoming new U.S. television rights deal uh, that should at least double in revenue for the league and, and by extension, as member teams. Interesting news recently here when you're, uh, if anyone out there is a collector of, of hockey cards, but uh, no surprise that Gretzky cards continue to be the most valuable. But I don't know, have we ever seen a card sell for almost $1.3 million, Tom? No, this is the record stuff, uh, Jeff. It, it really is, and it reflects the incredibly hot bull market that surrounds not just trading cards, uh, but the collectibles business in general. Um, this is the first time in history that a hockey card has entered the $1 million club. And, you know, it's $1.03 million at auction, but when you add in the, pre- the buyer's premium, you're looking at $1.29 million. Uh, and it's interesting, a lot of that uh, came in the last couple of days of the auction. Uh, when we were on uh, on Radio NL last weekend uh, doing the, the bulls and bears on the sport market, uh, we talked about it having surpassed the $750,000 mark, but there was a real strong push. Ken Richardson, who will be on the show tomorrow, he's the principal in Pastime Sports and Games, uh, pastimesports.ca, and, and he is probably the single most knowledgeable guy in the collectibles industry in Western Canada, and he said to me two, three weeks ago, he said, watch this OPG 1979 Wayne Gretzky card. It's a a gem mint um, uh, condition card. Uh, It will go for north of a million dollars, and he was right on this, so it's just an incredible thing, and I would put it out there that uh, it's one part just function in that so much, so many more of us are spending more time online, more time at home on the laptops, and hence maybe perusing some of these online collectibles and 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 trading cards uh, websites. Uh, but it's also, I think, some stress management. You know, for a lot of us, it's a way to sort of be nostalgic, uh, harken back to the days where. Uh, simpler days when we weren't worrying about COVID-19 and we're worrying more about uh, uh, whether we got our favorite player in a hockey card pack and whether or not we got an extra strip of bubble gum. (laughs) Yeah, the good old days, man. I wish I could go back. I I wish I still had all my hockey cards. I'm pretty sure my mom threw them all out. So uh, hopefully there was no Gretzky cards in there. I don't think there were, but I guess I'll have no way of ever knowing. 
yeah, you know, you can't stress about it, right? It's just like some of us wondering if um, uh, we actually won on the uh, uh, the Lotto Max or the six forty nine that we never cashed in. You know, is that the winning number? Um, I want to get one more subject in here, so let's switch sports um, and talk a little baseball, because I think this is a pretty significant piece of news, particularly for baseball in BC, in Vancouver. So the Vancouver Canadians, minor league baseball team uh, affiliated with the Toronto Blue Jays, they're now a member of high single-A Northwest League, which is a nice development for baseball fans in in BC specifically. They're going to see all of the Jays' elite prospects make their way through high A, right? It's a level that's very rarely skipped. Um, and this is a team that, of course, uh, led its uh, its old league in attendance records with, uh, in 2018, 239,000 people coming to the stadium. So this is a pretty cool move, I think, for, for baseball fans in, in BC and specifically fans of the Vancouver Canadiens. It really is the win-win outcome on this. And, uh, you know, some of our listeners in Kamloops might not have followed the fact that there was a lot of drama on this because Major League Baseball is sort of putting down the hammer and restructuring the minor league affiliations to try and streamline things. So a lot of, you know, uh, minor league teams that have been rich parts of the heritage of a lot of communities throughout you know, the United States in particular, uh, they're basically being shut down. Uh, the original rumblings around the Vancouver Canadians was that the Jays were going to discontinue the association, um, align with uh, a team in Lansing, Michigan, obviously uh, closer to uh, Toronto and, and, and the parent club, um, and then that the Oakland Athletics would return as the Vancouver Canadians' parent club, which they were for a number of years up, up until 2011, uh, when the uh, uh, the Jays came on board with the Canadians, it's just such a perfect fit, as you mentioned. I mean, it's it's better for Canadian baseball. Not you know, you, know, you can make the argument that a Mariners partnership would be great for BC baseball too, but that mm-hmm. that spot is taken. Um, but the fact that you've got um, uh, the Canadian affiliation, the second largest English language speaking market in Vancouver, uh, but partnering with the largest English language, language market, it gives the Jays some really good coverage. And for the Canadians, it gives them an opportunity, although most of their tickets are sold just because of the experience, uh, uh, you know, the ambiance and the atmosphere of going to Nat Bailey Stadium in downtown Vancouver. But the affiliation does matter, especially to more casual fans in terms of, hey, I get a chance to watch the future Jays playing right here in Vancouver. So I do think it's a win-win-win. Uh, I just think it, it it probably could have gotten done earlier. Um, uh, the baseball ops guys said, hey, Lansing. But once Rogers and, and the other higher-ups sort of looked at the business side of this and uh, uh, taking away a presence in, in Vancouver, uh, they all said, no, 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 <laughs> let's keep this association. As 10 years, Jeff. It's a 10-year extension, and it also means that they're going to be playing instead of 76 games a year at the NAT. They'll be playing 132 games of high A baseball each year uh, beginning in mid-May. It's exciting stuff. I hope uh, that we're allowed to attend those games here this summer as well. Tom, thanks for the time. Hey, all the best, Jeff. Have a terrific weekend. And yes, uh, uh, there at least appears to be light at the end of the tunnel. It's still a long tunnel, but at least we can see the light. Hopefully we get closer and closer. Look forward to talking to you again real soon. Sounds great. Looking forward to the show this weekend and have a great rest of your day. All the best.